Hello and you're very welcome to Mind Your Own Business, the new podcast from the Meath Chronicle looking at all things business and enterprise in County Meath. Each week we speak to a guest from big business, SMEs and local entrepreneurs making a name for themselves in the Royal County and beyond. My name is Gavin Beckton, editor with the Meath Chronicle and you can get in touch with the show with news at meathchronicle.ie. We'd love to hear from you. My guest this week is Ema Reynolds, proprietor, baker, cake creator behind the artisan company that is Bakealicious, which is a near neighbour of ours in Old Corn Market here in Navan. Bakealicious started in 2013 after Emer graduated from the National Baking School of Ireland in Cottle Brewer Street. Emer, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Where did the love of baking come from? Um, well, I would have always baked when I was a kid. Um, it was something I would have always done with my mother. And it was something I was kind of always just really, really good at. So um, rather than reading or that, I'm dyslexic, so I wouldn't have geared towards that. I would have done baking and like more creative kind of stuff. So I was very much interested in baking from the word go. And um, it was just something I kind of just kept collecting more and more baking books and cooking books. And then when I realized that you could go and do this in college and make a career out of it, it was just something that I really, really wanted to go and do. So that's what I did. And I'm quite happy with it. And how, how was that? I mean, I, I didn't realise you, you were saying you were dyslexic. How did, how did you battle through that in terms of college? and, and, and Dyslexia was really hard. It was really hard when I was in primary school. And then when I got into secondary school, I could kind of move on to more like subjects that were like art-based, you know, music. I did home economics. And then, you know, I, I actually got an exemption from Irish, so I took up doing history instead. And I, lo- I loved history. And I think if you're interested in something, you'll battle through with it. But if you've no interest in it, yeah. you're not going to. Like, I, I'm no good at English. I'm not very good at reading. But um, I think when you are interested in something, as in, like, I would sit down and I'd read through a cookbook. But, like, if you were to give me, like, you know, a novel or something like that, I would have no interest in it. Yes. And then when I kind of went into college... I suppose I was so interested in what I was doing in college, it didn't really bother me too much, but I would say um, doing stuff like sciences and that, I would have no interest in it, and that would have been like just completely out my door. I would not have had any interest in that with the dyslexia and that. So I think that's why I kind of honed in on the bacon and more kind of creative stuff, because that's the side of your brain. I think that works better, so... Yeah, uh, and as you were in Cahill Brewer Street, and you 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 were doing the course there, you, was was that the light bulb moment that you really did want to go full time into this, and you wanted to start your own business? Yeah, like the course that I did in college would have been geared towards starting your own business. Like it was, you know, you did like legal, uh, you did an awful lot of accounts, you did uh, you did nutrition and that as well, which is quite beneficial. And then as well as that, you do an awful lot of science-based baking. So if something happens or goes wrong, you go, oh God, that's because I've added in too much liquid or whatever else. So it would have been geared towards like making your own products and selling your own stuff. Mm. So going and work, I always wanted to work for myself. Um, I didn't really want to work for any, I know that sounds really silly, but I didn't want to work for anybody else. I, I wouldn't have minded if I was... Um, working for somebody else like to gain experience in that but I knew in the long term I wanted to work for myself and that I wanted to have a cake shop and that and I, I suppose I was lucky that the opportunity came when I was that bit younger because an awful lot of people start these businesses when they're like you know 30 35 or whatever and um I was lucky that I could start when I was 21 and start selling through farmers markets and that I suppose the opportunity just came at the right time for me with that and is there a history of, of, of that sort of entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, is there, there, is there a baking history in the family? No, or? like there's no, there, actually there's no other um, 
there's no one that would have done food before what I would have done. Um, my mom's mom was apparently a good. She was very interested in like gardening and like growing her own vegetables and then like making jams and stuff like that. But no, there would have been no in like no past history of food. Um, I suppose I'm the first to do that. But um, entrepreneur-wise, no, my dad works for himself. So I knew that it was going to be quite hard to like, you know, it's quite hard when you're working for yourself to have uh, a sufficient supply of finance coming in and whatever. But no, like there would have been no, I'm, I'm the first in my family you're, to do you're, that. You're, you're yeah. the first, yeah. How does a 21-year-old with the dream to open their own cake shop actually go ahead and try and do it? What's the, what was the... What was the workings of that? I um, was working on and off in places. I finished college uh, when I was 21. And over the summer between, like the summer before you graduate, I was working on and off in places. And it was not a great time. It was 2012. So it was not a great time, okay. uh, like economic wise and that. And I I remember the day before I graduated, I lost my, I didn't lose my job. They just weren't busy enough. Um, They weren't busy enough to have two people working in the same place. And... I was like, I was really like upset because I had to go then to my graduation the next day and like be like, I, I don't have work anymore. Like, you know, yeah. so mom and dad were like, don't worry about it. It's fine or whatever. And uh, they're like, we'll discuss it after the weekend, after you graduate. So the Monday then they were like, why don't you just go and work for yourself? And I was just like, I might as well. I might as well go and work for myself. So I took from um, my graduation in October to December off and I did a start your own business course. With, it would have been me, the enterprise, it's Leo now. And I did a start your own business course, course with them. And from that, I learned a lot in that. They're, they're actually really, really like beneficial. And if anybody's going to go and work for themselves, I would say go and do that. Mm. Um, so I did that. And then I think it was just plugging away at it and telling people that you were starting to, you know, work for yourself and start making cakes. And from that, it grew. So it did. So, so this was all happening from home. Yeah, yeah. it was. And when, my when poor parents. This, yeah. So the kit, the kitchen is going twenty four seven. Oh yeah, no, like there was, there was from that. I remember the first Christmas we did. It was just like mince pies everywhere, and oh, it's just like no, <laughs> not nice. And what's what's then, there must come a time when the poor old uh, double oven is just uh. screaming at this stage, and you have to say something's got to give. We gotta make. How did you make the jump then to corn market? Or was I. There, so I did farmers markets, I did Sheridan's farmers market, Sheridan's cheesemongers. I was in with them for four years. And then when I went down to Sheridan's, we grew massively down there. So we did. So we started outside there in a little canopy selling like five different types of cake and it grew and we were brought inside and we created our own little space in, in their shop. And it was a like a great learning curve because you learn what people want. You learn how to like market yourself. You learn how to like you know, display your stuff in such an attractive way and that people will buy it because that's that's actually really, like, interesting. Tearing stuff up, people are more likely to go and buy rather yeah. than just having everything, like, flat laid. And these are just things that you learn from those kind of things. So then, um, to get into Corn Market, I, I wanted to make the move. I wanted to have a permanent stead because I thought we were missing out on having a shop front so that people could order, like, occasion cakes and that from us. So um, I had been supplying the shop that we were in now. It was a bookshop and I was supplying them a cake and the cake was selling quite well in it. And then when they closed down, I was like, it'd be lovely if you could turn that into a cake shop. And I think I think I just have this thing where I'm just like, that's what it's going to be. We'll just do that. So um, I went after it and we, we opened in that December then. It took us, I think it was like four months to try and get in there and open up a cake shop. But we opened about two weeks before Christmas 
and uh, yeah, we've been there now 18 months. So. And, and am I right to say that you have the name? Was Bakelicious? Yeah, the name? we had the name the whole time. Been, uh, the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. It came from Beyonce's Bootylicious. It was the time that the <laughs> Juicy Couture tracksuits were out with the horrible <laughs> logos on the back, and we said we should tag them as Bakelicious. So yeah, that's where that came from. So what's been your What's been your toughest moment in, in those early days in, in terms of opening up the shop front? You're now retail, you're now front yeah. and centre and people are coming. What was what was the hardest uh, part of that? The hardest part, like honestly, when we opened the shop, I was doing everything myself. Like I have, and my brother works with me, so he's I mean, he's really great and I'm lucky to have him. But like you don't want going employing a load of people when you start going and working for yourself. So basically I was baking and then I was going in and selling in the shop and then coming home and baking again and selling in the shop and it was just like you know four hours sleep so now thank god we have like a, a, a we're lucky enough that we're busy enough that we can employ people that like i'm not working all around the clock as much you still work around yeah, the clock yeah. and you work for yourself but it's not as hectic or you can delegate jobs to like can you stamp those boxes to you know we need to get more coffee can someone order coffee or those kind of things and it's all those little jobs that take up so much time um, it can be really stressful at times. Mm. And I don't think people realise actually how stressful working for yourself can be. And like where we are, you're dealing with the public the whole time. So you can't have a stressful moment or you can't have a strop or, you know what I mean? You can't just yeah. appear, you know, not yourself because they don't like, they don't care what's going on. They just come in and they, we, we, where we, when we run it, we want it to be like, that's quite personal that, you know, you come in and it's on a name to name basis and that that's what I want the shop to be like, that we know our customers quite well. Yeah. And like, you can't be rude to somebody just because like, you know, somebody turned up for work late or, you know, your order for such a thing didn't come in or whatever. You can't have that. Mm. So, um, I think that's, that is very hard. So, so having is. a good game face, having a good game face. Yeah. <laughs> Keep smiling. Um, so you 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 touched upon the hours. How how hard do you reckon you do work? Um. Well, yesterday, like to give you an example, like it depends. Now we're in wedding cake season, so it's like pretty hectic. So yesterday, um, I got up at half six and I went to bed last night at two. <laughs> so, right. yeah, like that's that's between doing things like you know going in and working in the shop and uh doing orders and sorting out wages and stuff like that and then like then doing the the orders so doing the cakes for mm. occasions and that like I have a baker, uh, Lorna and she's very very good and but like there's stuff that like. I will always have a surplus amount of stuff to do. Like she does say our orders for the deliveries to cafes and that, and she'll stock the shop, but there's still always going to be stuff that I'll have to do. So you will be working 12, like 12 hour days are like a minimum. So you have, you have the shop and then you have yeah. the, the little, we'll say the strands off the shop. Until yeah. You've got the occasional cakes yeah. and the birthday cakes and the wedding cakes. Yeah. And is, is, is one more stressful than that? I'd imagine trying to create somebody's wedding cake is probably... Creating someone's wedding cake is quite stressful. Mm. Like, we're not, we're actually not too bad today. I'm, I'm quite glad it's after getting colder. Because, <laughs> like, otherwise you'd have a slippy, slidey wedding cake. Like, you know, you're afraid because we don't use roll-out fondant. Everything we do is with buttercream. So if it was very hot... You could have a very melty cake on your hands, even if you do, like, you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be from us, it'd be when you leave it in the hotel and if they didn't have the air conditioning on, uh -huh. and these are the things you have to keep thinking about, you yes. not stress over too much. Until the time they cut into the yeah, cake, you're kind of fretting about go, it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until you get the thank you email about three or four days later, you're <laughs> like, thank God, everything was fine. Now, 
I'm not from a baking background, so yeah. I wanted to. Just, you pride yourself on, on the traditional methods of baking and providing spelt yeah. artisan cakes and in, in mead and yeah. beyond. That's on on, your, on the website. As I say, for the non bakers among us, what what's that about? What? So we use. I only make cakes that are made with nice, good ingredients. So we use only butter in all our cakes, um, which is a very costly one because butter is really expensive at the moment. Mm. But um, we only use butter, and I think that's that is a big thing for people. You know, people really, really like that. But we make everything with spelt flour. So what spelt flour is is originally it would have originated as a wild grass and then the first farmers would have cultivated it as a crop so i'd say i'd say newgrange would have like remnants of spelt flour in mm. like you know the way they find remnants in that in, in burial chambers but it's um what spelt is is a smaller grain than wheat but it's not as highly processed so it, it, there's not as much like you know anti-caking agencies put into it it's it's not bleached it's just a better quality flour and an awful lot of people think that they're like gluten intolerant or they're gluten sensitive and it's actually that they're not it's the quality of the flour that we have now is actually just it's so poor because it's milled and it could be left for two or three years and not used and it can go rancid so lovely if, yeah <laughs> yeah loads of people don't know this so um if you're eating something that's obviously rancid, it's not going to be good for you. Um, and then spelt, because it's not as highly processed, there's actually more vitamins and minerals in it. And then it's not bleached, so you're not taking that aspect into it as well. So an awful lot of people who would consider themselves like gluten sensitive or that can eat spelt flour because, because of it not being so highly processed. Mm -hmm. And we would have used spelt flour like right up until the Industrial Revolution. But wheat flour is just more cost effective to grow. And that's why we eat so much of it and that's why we use it now there's nothing wrong with wheat if it's grown properly mm. but if it's not if you know if it's just the normal one that you're buying that's sitting there for the three years it's it's not the best for so you. there's major health implications yeah, and, like there and, is. and positive uh, outcomes from, from yeah. that ingredient not and saying you're going to be like really really thin <laughs> it's not going to make you super skinny but it's it's it is better for you you will feel better you won't feel like you want to fall asleep after eating a slice of cake ah very good very good you're you're a big supporter of the Boyne Valley food yeah. series and artisan growers. Yeah, it's become such a huge thing in the in the last three to four years. Yeah, um, Boyne Valley becoming synonymous as a foodie destination. Yeah. And, and as I say, you playing you're playing your own role in that. What's your take on on how it's gone in the last uh, three to four years? I think um, an awful lot of businesses have grown out of necessity. Like that's how my business came about was because people, you know, there was no jobs or people were made redundant or whatever. So I think enough there was an awful lot of growth towards food, and people who have lasted that are going to last now because you know their their business are viable and that. But there has been a massive growth in food. Like, you know, there, there's there's these food festivals, like the likes of Bloom, like half of it now is food because that's mm. just where people are interested in. So if you can tap into that, it's a big one to keep processing. Like we, we what, what the idea with the Boyne Valley Food Series is that like we, you know, use other local producers' produce and, you know, you make your uh, produce out of it. And then like, I suppose it, it's, it's kind of an internal market in that sense. But I think it's very beneficial because we all support one another, not only in like a financial sense that, that I buy some from such a one mm. or whatever, but like that you know people who are, who are in your industry. And like when you go to the likes of these trade shows, you're like, oh, that's such a one, I know them from whatever, or, you know, that's an whatever. And it's just, 
it's it's really nice for making friends if that makes sense because mm. you're all in it together like everybody works such long hours when you're in food mm. um and i think it's really nice to know that somebody else is going through that as well so like the boyne valley food series while it's amazing in the fact that it's promoting like the need for food it's also really great because you know who is in your area producing food to like the same standard that you are so i find it very beneficial for mm. that do you think that when you're in that environment, you're seeing other growers and other food producers and they're looking to expand and yeah. and, and move beyond their, their their own areas. Do you look at that and think, I wonder, is there a Bakelicious 2 on the on the cards or is there a Bakelicious 3 on the cards? Are you and trying to kill me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't think that there will be another Bakelicious on the cards for quite a while. I'm quite content with what we are. What I'd love to do is try and amalgamate everything together that we have our bakery and our shop together. That would be my next move. Hmm. But... Um, yeah, no, I don't think there'll be a second shop. I think a second shop is just it's so stressful, like having two places in one. It's bad enough having one place and trying to keep everything going there. Well, I suppose just to come back to starting on the starting on the business, I think people would be really interested to know that, you know, your how you started out and, yeah. and the perseverance that you had. Yeah. What advice would you give to young people who who might think that, you know, traditional education or isn't for them or, or they, they, they don't want to go through the college university and they have a head for business, they have an idea yeah. for opening up a premises yeah. somewhere. Is it just to go for it? And I what supports would you suggest oh, they go like, for? I would definitely say just go for it. Like, obviously, talk to people that you trust um, and like, get those, listen to people that you think that you would trust and you would take their advice on other things. Like, everybody will say, oh God, like that's going to be so much work and it's so hard and that, but like, don't listen to the naysayers. I would never say listen to the naysayers. Always listen to the positive. Like, don't put your head in the sand, but, like, mm. definitely listen to the positive. Um, I would, like, I was very lucky. I said I did a, a Start Your Own Business course, and that was really, really good. That was very beneficial. And it kind of gave you an idea of, like, like people just see that we just make cakes, but it's not just making cakes. There's an awful lot more behind that. Like, you know, you have your accounts and you have to have like food legislation and you know, even the likes of just like buying in the correct packaging. Like we, all our packaging say is either recyclable or compostable and like sourcing that kind of stuff. So there's, there's massive work behind the scenes that Mm. people do not see. Um, and I would say just talk to people like at the bank. I couldn't believe actually how helpful the bank were. When I really? was, yeah, they were so helpful to me. Bank of Ireland were so, like, I think now I'm sponsored by them, but no, they were really, really so you're, helpful. You're allowed one shameless <laughs> plug for podcast, that's they fine. They were actually so helpful to me. And like, we were opening up at Christmas and I remember going over in a panic because I hadn't ordered the card machine. And they were like, yeah, no, that's no problem. They were like, it could take five days. And your man came out to us the next day and that was the 15th of December. And like, that was a lot mm. in December to be able to say like, thanks very much for doing that but no they were really really helpful and even now like if we have any issue you can go over to them and just be like i'm thinking of doing such a thing or like what will repayments on that be or yeah no they're very i find them very very helpful i think if you just i think if you're decent with people and honest with people mm. they'll be really honest with you back like there's there's no point in glossing over it and saying it's great the, the whole time but when you first approached the bank, what, what year was that? And I'm just trying to think, as you said, you we were kind of coming out of, of... So I approached the bank, so I would have been, what would I have been, about three years in business. Mm. And um, we got a, I got a loan to obviously open the shop. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were very, I, like I applied, sure, I thought it'd be an awful lot more stressful than... Than it was. And it was literally a phone call. And I was like, there's no way they're going to give me this loan to open the shop. Like, And they gave it to me and it was in my bank account and the whole lot. I remember the day we got, we actually got the loan and we signed the lease for the shop. 
so it had to be there like it was it was important at that stage but no they were so helpful well that's that's yeah. an encouraging an encouraging yeah. message i suppose I for people who, who would think that the bank would be a permanently closed door for no, them and their ideas yeah no 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 i would definitely say yeah. just be honest with them yeah. and they will like they might not say yes every time but like there's no harm in trying them. If you don't like put your idea out there and ask for help, you will not get help back. Mm -hmm. There's no point in sitting on your own and trying to do everything by yourself because that really doesn't help. And mm -hmm. you get so stressed with that then as well. And in terms of away from the banking and, and the general Mead business or Navin business yeah. community, have you found that helpful? Is there a good, is there a good network like, there? Like, cause I, when I moved into Navin, like we, I didn't really know anybody. I wouldn't have known anybody business-wise. Like, our next-door neighbours are Gloss. And, like, they're so good to us. They're, like, it's it's lovely having them next door because they, like, come into us for cups of tea or whatever. And we're very, very good friends with them. And, like, there's other businesses. There's boutiques come into us for coffee. You know, you can... Yeah. It's the same people we have coming into us the whole time. And the support. And, like, I think, like, if we have a bad day, as in, like, it's not busy, and you go, God, we weren't busy today... And they'll go, no, we weren't busy either. And then you don't feel as bad. Whereas, you know, I think yeah. there's no point in going around lying, just being like, yeah, everything's really great the whole time. Because not you cannot be busy the whole time. Like, it, it's yeah. not humanly possible. But the support like that is really, really good. And, like, the way I would think of it is, like, a new business brings so much to another area. Like, mm. there's no point in having a derelict shop. Yeah. So if there's anything that can move in, it move in, that person should definitely be encouraged and, you know, told like yeah like it's great it's really hard but it's really great and like we're all in this together and everybody wants to see everybody succeed yeah i think there's nothing sadder than seeing a, a, a business open and a yeah. shop front come to life only to see it close then yeah. you know six 12 months later yeah. i think it's 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 because there's, there's a story behind those yeah. shutters you know exactly. and so, somebody's failed or somebody or somebody and you know it, it, it can be very very yeah. hard for them um what does Emma reynolds do when She's not working when she gets a spare hour away. <laughs> she sleeps. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I sleep. <laughs> that's what I do. But no, that's what I would do. And like, I'm constantly thinking about like, what should we do next? And like, what should we do for this season cake wise and that? And like, you know, I suppose what, what would I do? Um, I go to Dublin. I have really good friends in Dublin and they understand that I don't see them that much, but um, they're quite nice about that. But I'd hang out with them or I'd sleep or I'd go to the museums or stuff, something that gives you headspace. To switch off. Yeah, because you really need to just get mm. away from it every so often and just put your phone away and get away from emails and stuff like that. But uh, Headspace, I think, is the big thing. Do you honestly do that? <sighs> I'm always looking for that. I the, try, I'm at least for an hour or two anyway. To turn the phone off. Yeah, to get rid of it, just yeah. to put it away. Like, and it works. Yeah, you'd feel better after it. Like yeah. a day off, you feel really a lot better after a day off. Like there's no point in pushing yourself into the ground and I've learned that yeah you know um I've really really learned that it's not worth it nobody benefits from it now I'm passing Bakelicious it's Friday and I'm definitely in need of a coffee and I'm definitely in need of something nice right so you're allowed we said one we said two shameless plugs what is your go-to treat if I'm passing Bakelicious what should people be coming in for um we sell an awful lot of uh, lemon bars they're, they're these like um, shortbread base with lemon curd on top and they're really nice with a cup of tea. I was addicted to lemon curd as a kid. Yeah, they're like, they're, it's like lemon curd. It's like set lemon curd. Yeah. Uh, they're really nice. They're probably my favourite thing. Now, people love brownies, but I think the lemon bars are, they're quite unique to us. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to try them. Eamon <laughs> Reynolds, thanks very much for thanks coming for in. Me. Thanks so much.
So that's it from Mind Your Own Business for this week. We hope you've enjoyed it and don't be afraid to share or retweet us. For more on today's guests, please check out this week's Mead Chronicle business page. And remember, if you'd like to feature in our Mind Your Own Business podcast, please drop me a line at news at meadchronicle.ie. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Thank you.